Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for protecting us another week of a pandemic. As we begin this Friday, we ask you to continue to be our shield and strength so that we will serve you today and this weekend with more joy and gratitude. In Jesus' precious name we all pray. Amen. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. And I'll let you know this is one of the most emotional and charged passage in the Paul's letters. I hope you, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you received a different spirit from the spirit you received, or different gospel from one you accepted, you prop with it easily enough. I do not think I'm in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Among all the emotionally charged and theological talks of Paul, this passage, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 to 6, gets me most. This is the most intense and personal charge of Paul. Here Paul compares himself to a father of a bride, and I have three daughters to marry, and thus I do understand this analogy very clearly and personally. Paul's analogy hits my heart and many people, you know, all of us hard. Back then, especially in the ancient Jewish world, most marriages were arranged by the parents, actually by fathers. Nothing gives the father of a bride more joy than seeing his, uh, his daughter marrying a husband of a good solid characters who loves her and is committed to her for good. That's what Paul imagined himself to be. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. By the same token, nothing gives a father of a bride more horror and anger than that his daughter is falling in love with a deceiver, an imposter, a cheating guy. That's what Paul was feeling about Corinthian situation in verse 3. But I'm afraid, just as Eve was deceived by serpent's cunning, your mind somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul was describing the Corinthian situation as a potential worst wedding disaster. Imagine, everything was, has been arranged. Husband-to-be is a delighted. So is a bride, at least she was at the beginning. And then father of the bride suddenly worried 
that she is going to get itchy feet and run off with someone else. The bride, of course, here signifies the church in Corinth. And bridegroom is a Christ, the Messiah. Paul has taken this biblical theme of Israel as a bride of Yahweh, and today he transposed it into the theme of the church as a bride of a Messiah. And uh, uh, while the father's back is turned, bride starts eyeing another man instead of uh, her husband. And at this point, Paul draws another well-known story in the Bible, the temptation of Eve in Genesis chapter 3. You know, elsewhere, Paul highlights Adam as, a one, uh, as the one whose sin caused all the troubles in the world. But here, because of other illustration he's using, he refers only to Eve and to the trickery by which the serpent deceived her into taking the forbidden fruit and the breaking the command of God. Pauline scholars, such as anti-right, they say they hear Paul seems to be worried about the danger of a second fall. Because in earlier 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul said, we are new creation. Anyone is in Christ is a new creation. So he is using the language of Garden of Eden in Christ. And this new creation, which is, after all, all about the gospel of Christ, just like the fall, the tempters came, and then is shaking the bride of Christ. And here, the tempters, they claim to be a super apostles. Notice the quotation mark, the super apostles in verse 5. And according to verse 6, Paul said that I may be untrained as a speaker, but I do have a knowledge. These super apostles were well trained as a speaker. They were very good in rhetorics. And back then in oral culture, that's a huge leverage. And Paul didn't have that. But Paul said he has the knowledge. Here Paul used the word gnosis, the knowledge. And gnosis is not just information. Is the knowledge of all knowledge. Later, it's used as a saving, secret knowledge or even saving knowledge. And before, you know, ironically, before Paul knew and uh, before, before anything else, before the heretic Gnostics, you heard about the heretic called the Gnostics who claimed to have a the knowledge, that employed the term with a super secrecy and deadly arrogance, Apostle Paul was publicly claiming he has the gnosis, the knowledge, the truth. Humbly, yet clearly and openly, Paul said, His Jesus, only his Jesus is the real Jesus. Only his gospel is the, only, the true gospel. Only his Holy Spirit is a true Holy Spirit that we should recognize and receive. And Paul here is saying, any eloquent speaking of a, whatever trained rhetoricians cannot invent the better and truer and purer Jesus and gospel and Holy Spirit than one Paul received directly from Jesus. Paul's knowledge and experience of Jesus led him to go to 
Arabian, you know, desert for three years to meditate and reconstruct his theology. Since then, Paul was adamantly clear that anyone who preaches a different gospel, different spirit, different Jesus than, than, uh, than he, he called to be cursed. In his earlier letter, Galatians, Paul made a famous anathema. Let me just read Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than one we preach to you, let him be under God's curse. And as we, already ha- as we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I actually do understand Paul's heart that curses the preaching that does not reveal Jesus. Because Jesus showed us the heart of God. Yes, there have been many theologies done, not in Christ, but outside of Christ. Theologies based on human philosophy and worldly logics, not in the heart of God. That's a serious offense and eternal crime. Because God revealed his heart in Christ. And anyone who mislead or distract people from this gift of God Jesus Christ, who revealed the heart of God to us correctly and completely, is a committing a worse sin than unbelieving. You know, interestingly, Paul put himself in the same judgment call. If we or any angel from heaven preaches gospel, different gospel, here we can see Paul takes. We can see how seriously Paul takes gospel preaching. Preaching gospel is like performing the most important surgery for somebody because this surgery is a matter of not just a life and death, it's a matter of eternal life and death. So if we know Christ correctly and through Christ we understand the heart of God correctly, as we repeatedly say in the Cornerstone Bible study, we will have not only passion for the gospel, but actually we have this kind of holy anger or anathema, the curse for the false gospel. That's what Paul was so emotional today. That's why Paul saying, what I'm, what I'm worried about you, Corinthians, who are bewitched to this different gospel, gospel of human rhetorics and well-oiled speeches. You are worrying me. You are like a runaway bride from the, the, the only and the best husband that you can ever find. So Paul is pleading with them. Recognize and return to the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, for which Paul gave everything he has. Dear brothers and sisters, let us really, really understand what we do know through Christ is the truth, is the knowledge. That knowledge gives you and me not just you know the love that you know I mean the saving grace is saving grace not only for us but for others, and also the discernment and power, the wisdom to fight all the false promises and false gospels, and even false spirits in this world. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, 
I don't care anything except knowing Jesus and knowing your heart through Jesus. As Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want nothing but forest and everyone around us to know only Jesus and your heart through Him. Without knowing your heart correctly, there is no gospel, there is no church, there is no hope in this world. There is not even a Christianity or, or Holy Spirit without knowing your heart through Jesus. Help us to resolve our, our hearts to know your wisdom and power only in Jesus. Among all the pious talks about Christ, help us to discern, hear only the voice of the Good Shepherd who showed us the heart of God. In the name of only Jesus, we all pray. Amen.